It's the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast with your host, Paula Price, taking on the issues, representing Jesus Christ, unapologetically truthful, taking on popular opinion, and now your host, Paula Price. something to inspect and some sort of criteria, benchmark or standard to separate the good and the effective from the poor. Is that right? I don't know any institution on the planet that doesn't require that outside of the church. Do you? Anybody here? Name any institution. So now, you have to expect it as a buyer, or in this case, we'll use the word consumer. You have to inspect it as a consumer, but then that outlet has to inspect it as what? A distributor. So they have to have a set of standards and criteria. And the key to successfulness and quality inspection is unity. They unified in what the end product should be and look like. We don't have any prophetic unity. The second one is consistency. We don't have consistency. We argue over gnats and bugs and, you know, we want to bless the worm in the pear. So we need to have uniformity. We need to have consistency. We need to have guidelines. Would you agree? So now, none of that is your concern as a consumer, but yet we must have it if we're going to guarantee that, we, that you can get pears that don't make you sick. Body's sick today. The body is sick today, and people keep asking why, and when you give them the answer, they don't like it because they want a spiritual answer. They want a theological answer. They do not want a quality assurance, quality control answer. Isn't that powerful? They don't want that. You really don't want that. When I say quality assurance and quality control to you, you don't think profit, do you? You you really don't think about it. You think, when you think quality control, quality insurance, you will think more of the nail polish on your finger than you will a profit. Is that true? You will talk about nail polish that cracked up as soon as you washed your dishes. You will talk about a lotion that broke out on your skin when you tried it, don't you? And what do you argue? Quality. You literally argue quality. I say that because we, in order to think differently, you're going to have to start finding out what is the measure of a product. Forget the profit. Let's, let's not get there yet. What is the measure of a product? What will make us say this is quality, this isn't quality, this is high quality, 
This is low quality. This is no quality. Am I making you think differently? Are you feeling that? Because, see, you measure the prophetic by words. And yet we have prophets in the Bible who never gave a word that was kept in Scripture. So then what were they measured by? Jesus tells us that Abel was the first prophet. And we don't have the book of Abel. We do have writings from Enoch. Okay, so Enoch has, we get some scriptures, I mean, little strips from him. You know, the Lord is coming with 10,000s of his thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all the ungodly who have, you know, performed ungodly or committed ungodly acts in an ungodly way. Now, you know, he's serious. Now, there's a lot to be taken from there. We were sitting around. There's a lot to come from there. So we go down to Noah. We have the same thing. Noah is not too different from Enoch. And we notice that prophets tend to fall in family lines. Abraham was called a prophet. We don't have the book of Abraham. Do we? Now, you can talk to me about what they call pseudotexts, false writings. But in that which God thought to compend and immortalize, we don't have that at all. So what is the book of Abraham? When we keep going down the prophetic tree, we finally come to Moses, and he does something that hasn't been done. But in the background of what Moses says, we find out Balaam had a prophetic empire. Balaam had a prophetic empire. And God used Balaam periodically when he needed a person with the construction, composition, and faculties to speak for the divine world. Is that helpful to you? So we, God doesn't have a dedicated prophetic institution, let alone empire. That didn't happen until Balaam issued his last prophecy for the Almighty. When he, gave, when he did the last prophetic act with God's approval, God's prophetic institution was born. But it's not until Samuel that we really see it as an empire. Now, I'm using terms that you all are accustomed, unaccustomed to in the church. See, we don't think empire. We think church service. We don't think institution, we think individual. And we certainly don't think office because we think gifts. And we don't think attributes or authorization because we think anointing. And then we wonder why the prophets can't get it right. First of all, we don't know how to measure a prophet. That's not commonly told because prophets are measured by their gifts. 
not their attributes. You like that, don't you? Prophets are measured by their gifts and how people react to those giftings. Now, here's something you will like. When you study the prophetic from the Greek, the Greco, uh, actually Athena, Greco, Roman era, all of their prophets were literally measured by verbalization, prophesying. And when you study it and you look it up, they were measured by giving answers to questions. Very few of them, now I'm not saying none of them, but very few of them actually were recognized for any type of institutional order or constitutional order. And the reason for that is that the prophet was almost an accessory, I'll say, attachment to the king, to the nobles, to the aristocrats. But the prophet was not a standalone institution. It was an order that allowed them, uh, the, the gods, to speak through a particular order of divine communicants. So we restored the prophetic on the Greco-Roman model. And we did that because it was for the church. Because the Nabium, the Nabi model, was an empire. It began with a prophet, Moses as an apostolic prophet, because the Jews still recognize him as a sort of apostle prophet. Now Moses did something different. He, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> established a kingdom. A kingdom. It wasn't church. When you went to the typical Greco-Roman prophet now, and most of them, their prophets had to split their duties, or at least their prestige, with poets and philosophers. Isn't that a whole different picture? Which is why we're still struggling over what is prophecy and what is not. And what is not prophecy is poetry. So when you have modern theologians trying to tell you what the prophetic is, they're going to talk to you about poetry. And they're going to talk to you about the philosophers. And they're going to draw in your Plato, your Aristotle, you know, your Descartes. They're going to draw in all of them because you only spoke for the gods. And they say that a prophet is one who speaks for the gods. Who runs the nation is not a prophet, that's the sovereign. Who makes the laws, that's not a prophet, that's a judge. So why am I giving you this backstory? Because you're not going to get it anywhere else for a while. And it's not that it's not out there, but the assimilation, one thing prophets have the innate ability to do if they're genuinely a prophet is the capacity for assimilating information and wisdom and logic. So today, we train prophets to be Greco-Roman prophets. 
You prophesy, but you leave leadership to the government. You prophesy, but you don't judge. You prophesy, but you don't condemn. You prophesy, but you don't legislate. And if perchance you happen to educate, that's just a bonus. So now what does that leave the prophet to do? Anybody want to take a guess? Anybody? It leaves the prophet to talk. You can't think, because if you think under that system, if you think under that system, then you're likely to, to pervert or distort the deity's word. So you hear it and speak it, see it and say it. As a result, you are locked into two things, condemnation or prediction. And most times, for example, when you study the Oracle of Delphi, look it up, because prophets are supposed to be smart in a, in a Jesus world, okay? But the Oracle of Delphi, which was known for being the prophetic site that all leaders went to to find out what their ventures and campaigns would be. A synonym for the Oracle of Delphi, Delphi is a Pythonic spirit or Pythonic, depending on how you want to say it. So a Python spirit, the Oracle of Delphi literally sat over a volcano or a chasm with a volcano under it and it bred serpents. And so the Oracle's job was to say whether or not something would happen. And their answers were pretty much like the Urim and Thummim of the Jews. Yes, no. Go, no go. Just single words. Maybe a few more if they're going to be predictive. That could be. But that kind of wisdom didn't come from there. Now, they had a body of prophets because every deity needs one. Every deity, or deity as they call it, needs a, a voice to make its inaudible self heard and its invisible self seen, or at least detected. So when you look at the Greco-Roman model, it, it, it literally seriously constricts the Nabeum order and empire that we run with that founded the world. Now there are some of you who say, I don't really need to know this. Yes, you do. That's why you go to psychics. That's why you read your horoscope. That is why you call 1-900, tell me something. <laughs> that's why you do it. That's why you pick up the phone and call a profit line that's acting like a psychic line. 
and you only get good news. You get, you're going to be blessed, you're going to get money, you'll get married, your kids will do well, I'll pray for you. But you don't get the power of the office or the mantle. You get the charismata of a gift. So, and most of them, the training is something somewhere between six months to tops a year if it's really advanced, a year and a half. And they, what they have are divine communications technique and not prophecy, wisdom, and execution. Because we must always execute something. Now, Dr. Price, do you have a problem with that? I personally wouldn't do it because I don't know the difference between the two, but I don't know that God's not saying, hey, let me get something out there. You know, I don't know that he's not saying that. I would have to go some to say God is not, because he's not getting anything if everybody's calling psychics. Mark your calendars for June 15th through the 18th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary hosts her annual Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. This year's theme is the station of the prophet in God's future, unlocking the future of the Almighty with the key of prophecy. Keynote speakers include Prophet Elizabeth Tyam Fook, Prophet C.T. Johnson, Assistant Chief Prophet Angela Powers, and Chief Prophet Tala Price. Register your teenagers for our youth conference. Our youth theme is Identity the Key to Destiny, Redeeming This Generation. Visit www.drpaulaaprice.com to register individuals, teens and groups today. Thank you for listening to this segment of the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast. Be sure and tune in next time for the continuation of this insightful teaching. To obtain resources and training materials for how to think differently and live powerfully, visit Dr. Price's website at drpaulaaprice.com. Also, follow Dr. Price on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Dr. Paula Price. See you next time.